Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Happy Wednesday to you. It's the 12th day of August. It's just a few minutes after 9, 9 minutes after 9 a.m. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for tuning in today as we go... Less than 24 hours from right now, the entirety of our youth, well, not the entirety, a lot of our youth in Washington County will be uh, going to school. Imagine that. Uh, Terry Hutchinson is with me today. Terry, how are you, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Andy. Terry's on the Washington, Good to be with Washington you. County School Board, and uh, uh, what, what, what is it Mike McGarry always called you? Local attorney, Terry Hutchinson. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Local attorney. That's right. There's nothing wrong been with doing that. a lot of other things than attorney work the last few years, but yes. You're all attorneyed up today with a suit and tie on. And yeah, everything. we've been visiting schools, uh, okay. um, you know, because courts are still closed. So the court hearings I do have uh, are all on the phone and stuff like that. It's kind of frustrating, actually. But yeah, I can we're imagine. all working through it. Well, and, and talk about frustration. You know, I had a chance. We had the Region 9 football media day on uh, Monday. Not sure what to well, – I really wasn't sure what to expect with, yeah. the, with the players and, and coaches, but – to a man, every one of the coaches was like, I can't believe how ready these guys are to get out there and, oh, yeah. and play yeah, and do yeah. something. They're so tired of being stuck at home. And uh, that's kind of the overriding feeling, isn't it? Well, we yeah, we were uh, at the new South Mesa Elementary. We toured it officially as a board in the afternoon, but in the morning, uh, you know, it used to be that the district administration, the senior f- officials and the board members would all go around and try and visit all the schools a couple days before. Well... Andy, we can't do that anymore. Yeah. This year, they, they've got a much better thing. I mean, you'd have five or ten minutes, and if you got off track, you'd have to wait for everybody to trail around. And it wasn't very productive for the teachers, especially, who were waiting to hear us or see us or whatever. So now they've broken it up into about seven different units with different senior administrators, and then the board members can pick and choose as to where they go. So yesterday, in the morning, I was at an open house in uh, South Mesa. And, well, actually... I had a doctor appointment, so I didn't make that one. But in the afternoon, they had an open house. The kids were there. The PTA was there. The parents were there going in and out. Teachers were there. Principal was there. And the kids were so excited. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. were going up and down the halls. And, yeah, they were a little bit spaced, but not completely. But they had their masks and everything looked great. Um, I just got done at Washington Fields Intermediate this morning. And those teachers and staff are all ready to go. They've got their face shields. They've got their masks and everything else. And, look. I, I have not made it a secret how I feel about the whole thing. And uh, I still think that the bureaucracy and the governor, they'll have something to answer for at some future point. But uh, in the meantime, my feelings notwithstanding all that, I voted for the reopening plan, even though uh, there were aspects of it I didn't like, because I'm all about in-person teaching. And uh, the kids are excited to go. We drove by uh, Crimson Cliffs yesterday during our, our little tour. We saw a couple of elementaries. We've got a new one going out there down below the bypass on Exit 2. Mm-hmm. That school, the walls are going up already. Wow. You would be surprised how quickly we get those up. So it'll be ready to go next year, and it's just amazing. So we're driving past Crimson Cliffs. It's a little after 3, 3.30, and outside, yep, the football team was out there going through their drills. It and it was so excited to yeah. see. Yeah, it was 103. I mean, one of the other board members is going, who authorized this? And we're like, <laughs> hey, 
That is playing football in St. George in August. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Now, I had someone say to me yesterday, uh, now, you know, college football, some of the conferences are canceling and stuff, and they had a coalition of players that started kind of a petition to say, hey, let us play. Is basically a hashtag, let us play. Uh, and someone said to me, well, you know what? Of course they want to play. They're kids, and, you know, even, even at the college level, we're 18, 19, 20-year-olds. They're kids. They want to play. And you could apply the same theory to – to school children, of course they're excited. Of course they want to go to school. They don't understand what's really going on. What would you say to someone that would say that? Well, I would say that they should listen to the kids. Hmm. I mean, there's still no evidence of any cases whatsoever of the kids, A, passing it to adults, especially teachers in schools, or B, passing it real seriously among one another. Hmm. When, when, when countries in Europe like, say, uh, the Netherlands, just to take an example, their public health agency has stopped the requirement for social distancing for elementary school kids. And we're not even talking about masks. They're saying those kids don't have to social distance. In fact, in their studies, in their opinion, it, it's like kids are a break on the spread of this disease. If it was like the flu, kids are the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Millions of children died during this pandemic of 1918 that everybody relies on. But you know what, Andy? That ship has sailed for the moment. I mean, I got no control over it. The board has no control over it. I would have loved to see a a vote among our board members about masks, uh, and it would have been a close one, I can tell you that. Only because I would say before the governor issued his mandate, we would be opening school with no masks, in my Mm. opinion. Mm. I think it would have been that close. But who knows? You know, once again, it's a woulda, coulda, shoulda kind of deal. So here we are. We're ready to kick off tomorrow. Everybody in the state, as I mentioned to the teachers this morning at Washington Fields Intermediate, um, everybody in the state is going to be watching Washington County. We are a big district. We're the fifth biggest in the state. And we are opening weeks ahead of them. And so here we are. We've had this time to get ready at the elementary school. We went to the lunchroom. They've got the dots on the tables where the kids are going to sit. Uh, there's a, a plastic shield between them so they can sit on both sides of the table. Uh, you know, they're, they're just doing everything they can to try and make sure that this is going to work. And, you know, the state is just going to be watching, and I'm sure we'll get new clarifications as things progress. By the way, if you want to, if you have concerns, you want to talk to Terry about uh, school starting tomorrow. Six seven three five eight nine zero is the phone number. Six seven three five eight ninety. I have a whole bunch of questions. Uh, one of them, my son works for Alpine School District. Uh, I believe they're the ones that are going to do early out every single day. Uh, your thoughts on that? Um, you know, we talk about all those kind of things, and I'm sure they have a need. Part of their problem is they don't have enough bus drivers to carry all their students. True. We are right at the limit. And because because the a majority of bus drivers are in the high risk categories. Sure, they're senior citizens. Well, a lot of them. more than that, a lot of them have health issues and other things and we desperately need the bus drivers because if we don't have them, we don't transport 13 to 15,000 students hmm. per day to and from school. So if you count the the trips to school and then you count the trips from school, we're pushing about 30,000 a day. And that's a huge number. And Alpine is much bigger than we are. Mm-hmm. So that that's part of their deal. Um, 
you know, they have they, every district has its own kind of unique deal. There's the Salt Lake districts that's not even going to open schools, but that one is is a district that's got a lot of. Uh, the, let's just say their members are more inclined to listen to the uh, UEA, and I, I'm as opposed to the governor or, or the <laughs> or anybody districts. else yeah. for that matter. Yeah, yeah. Got it. yeah. My, my my feeling about what the UEA thinks is pretty obvious. Well, in and, my silence. And, and I'm glad you brought it up. The Utah Educators Association, the teachers union, came out and said we we shouldn't have to go back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny because my dad was a school teacher for many, many years here in the state of Utah. And he was technically, I guess, a member of the UEA. But I don't know how it is now. Back then, UEA conference weekend was, hey, we don't have to do anything. It's a weekend off. <laughs> I, mean, I guess what I'm saying is I didn't feel like I don't feel like many teachers take the UEA very seriously. Well, up north, they take it more seriously, and they okay. have to. It's, it's a political fact player up there. Down here, not so much. Um, two-thirds of our teachers don't belong to our local association. We work with our local association. And while the local association is affiliated with the UEA, they're not as strictly following. So, so, uh, so far, our, our association wants to make sure, as we do, that our teachers and our staff are safe. But uh, we don't have the same concerns. And, and to a certain degree, there are political agendas, I think, for some of these teachers' groups, not necessarily ours, but others, that, that unfortunately factor into the decisions. And to the degree they impact the decisions that come to us from up north, that's what frustrates me, and uh, nationally as well. You know, I mean, California, we, we're, I'll tell you what you're going to find, Andy, is you're going to find that people from California, Washington, Oregon, and Nevada, where schools are closing or they have much more restrictions than we do, they will be flocking here to Utah. And we're not just talking about for athletic purposes. We've got a lot of especially talented football players who want to come to utah and try and play and the rules for eligibility on that are super strict we we spent some time talking about that yesterday and um we're going to do what we can to enforce it because um you know last year if you'll recall the lone peak football team i think had a problem and they had to forfeit a bunch of games Mm -hmm. they're not going to be forfeiting any games but if you get caught the coaches themselves are going to be the ones to to have to fill the suspensions. And it's not just a suspension from games. It's a suspension from games, contact, and contact with their players and practices. And so hopefully all of us will be working together to make sure that that the rules are followed, especially when it comes to eligibility. But you're going to see tons and tons of people coming. Um, I've got my my son has some in-laws. They moved from California to live in a basement apartment so their kids can go to school. Because in California, they're shut down. And, and they're saying, we're done with this. Some of those rules are, are, are very strict. I, I, the coaches were saying that you actually have to pr- have proof that you sold your house yes, in California. You, ha- you can't have two houses even if you're rich enough to afford to. You have to have sold that. So I'm glad to hear the coaches are aware of that because mm-hmm. it's going to be their ability to coach that's on the line and that's punished uh, if, if these things get you know, if these things get messed up and ineligible players are used. 
we asked actually each each coach during the media day, do, do you have players that have moved in that are going to have an impact on your team? And only one coach said, yeah, I've got a couple, but they had to prove that they had sold their houses and that they actually live, you know, in the area. And, and yeah. it was it was a pretty big deal. No, it's it's a big deal, and you're going to find more of that. I think you are going to find some where coaches get caught, um, mm-hmm. and we'll just see. You you know how it is. Yeah, everybody tries to get a little advantage. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But what's really sad is that these these premier athletes in other states aren't going to be given the chance to demonstrate and to to earn their scholarships and the right to go to college football or whatever it is, basketball, and, and the female sports too. And yeah. by the way, Andy, yet yeah, last night we added female wrestling. We added girls wrestling right. as a as okay. a as a as a sanctioned sport. Very so cool. uh, we don't know how much interest there's going to be, but uh, the USHAA approved it, and so uh, here we are. I'm all for uh, female sports. Uh, I'm all for male sports. I'm not for someone declaring that they're female that day and deciding a guy <laughs> that he's going to play female sports. That's to me. That's yeah, just that, not right. I th- I don't think that's going to be a problem. And one of the one of the concerns that that they've had is that the girls who want to wrestle have had to wrestle with the boys. Yeah, and some boys be, yeah. just won't do it. Yeah. And it's not because they're afraid of the girls, but obviously, you know. Wrestling is a contact sport in every way, and, yeah. and they're just really uncomfortable with it. So being able to have this opportunity, uh, we'll just have to see how that goes. Okay, let's go back to the rules now uh, tomorrow. Specifically, uh, if I have a student going to school tomorrow, what are the main things I need to know when, as I send my 8-year-old or 12-year-old or 16-year-old to school? Well, uh, they, they need to wear a mask if they're going on the bus, and they need to wear a mask if they're going to school. Now, if they don't have a mask, the school will give them one. And the bus drivers will have a temporary one. And then we have two masks for each student. They come in. Uh, they're adjustable. They're cloth. They're not the paper masks. Um, so they'll be hopefully more durable. And then that those are the rules. You know, the kids are, are going to be socially distanced and everything else. But each each teacher, each school is going to train the students in that. And most of, our, most of the teachers that I've talked to have said, hey, that's my job is training the kids to do something. So I'm going to make sure that they know how to do what it is they're supposed to do. So I'm, I'm not too worried about it. Kids are excited. Parents are excited. Everybody's excited. We have a substantial number that are going to want to teach remotely. And so we're going to be working on that. And, and we've had a few months, about six, since the kids were in school, to yeah, really gear forever, up and it seems like, strengthen yeah. our ability to do that. We do respect the parents' choice. And then, of course, we're going to have situations where, you know, kids don't wear a mask for whatever reason or the parents don't want the kids to wear a mask. And I'm sure we're going to have some some things to work out with regard to, uh, you know, how how closely are we going to follow the mandate? I mean, my frustration with the mandate is we ask for exemptions. There's a procedure to ask for exemptions. And yet when we talk to them about that in the procedure, they just say, well, we know that's going to go on, but we don't want to put anything in writing. Mm-hmm. And, Andy, when the government says, we don't want to put anything in writing, I feel like I'm at a used car lot, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. an attorney's office. <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, it's like, what? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Okay, uh, real quick, uh, temperature checks. Will that be going on at school? Yeah, they'll have temperature checks uh I don't know that they're going to temperature check the students right away um, simply because the line to do that would be 
more damaging than letting the students in. But I know that they, they're working on that. It just, you know, I mean, a temperature check, even if it takes, you know, a few seconds, when the students are lined up and ready to go, uh, you, don't, you don't do that. But one of the things that, you know, a teacher knows when the student in their class is not feeling well. Yeah. And so if they demonstrate symptoms, they'll usually pick it up within the first 30 minutes, and then they'll send them to the office where they'll have the temperature check, and then the rest of those things will take place. So there are procedures for that. And as the technology improves and we get more temperature check of things that, that can help us move quicker, we're going to do that too. And obviously there's going to be a lot of moving parts to this that we're going to improve as we see problems and issues that need to be resolved. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about the the kid. Not not that a kid that's I'm I'm taking a stand and not going to wear a mask. My family doesn't believe it. What about the kid that just doesn't feel like it? That fidgets with it, takes it off, throws it across the room. What what's going to happen to that kid? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I you know obviously the 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 discipline and the enforcement of the mask issue is is going to be something that we're just going to have to look at and deal with as we go. I, I think we're too early to set a hard and fast rule about it. And and the goal, frankly, as I said, and our primary function here is going to be to try to do in-person school for the students that want to do it. And we do have to comply with the mandate. And so at that stage, I'm sure there will be situations where we have to try and resolve something with parents or with students. And uh, we'll just work it out on a case-by-case basis and see what comes. I, I don't know of any blanket way to do it otherwise. Okay. okay. I had heard a rumor, and, and tell me if this is true, that the teachers are going to be wearing clear uh, face shields and not masks so that the students can see their, their mouths. Is well, some of that is true. Um, it depends. Once again, it's depending on the teacher and the school and what they're allowed to do. Uh, at, the, uh, Washington, at the intermediate school this morning, I would say more than half of the teachers had full face shields on with no masks. And that enables the students to see them. But, Andy, when you're teaching reading or you're teaching language, you have to see the mouth move. Yeah. Because so that the kids know how to move their lips and how to form the words in their mouth so that they can, so that they can you know, repeat what they need to. That, that's just a fact. There's going to be times, especially for special ed kids, where, you know, you can't do masks and, and you have to just have to do things as, as well as possible. And those are a little bit of riskier situations for our teachers. And we're going to try and, and make sure that, that they're protected for that. Now, our teachers who are in provable high-risk groups, they're qualified for accommodations under the ADA. And we're making sure that, that we're in compliance with that. But we do have another group of teachers who just are concerned because they don't know enough about the virus or they are concerned for other reasons. And while we respect that, um, we, we do expect them to do their job. I can tell you, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough. I worked nights and weekends. I was able to go with every one of my kids in kindergarten, first and second grade, volunteer one day a week and help teach kids how to read. And I can tell you how important it is for the, for the eye contact and for the be able to see, uh, like you said, be able to see someone um, form the words in their mouth. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was a great experience for me, and I think it's an experience that we can't rob the children of at all. Well, we unfortunately everybody's impacted by the shields by the masks mm. by the mandate uh one of the reasons i feel so strongly about it and uh when i ask the public health officials oh there's no evidence when i ask the 
you know, no, nobody's done a study because nobody's ever tried it as to how the, the mask or the shield affects the children's ability, the students' ability to learn yeah. and, and their academic performance. But, you know, we're all taking shots in the dark and people are, you know, trying to make decisions as best they, they understand they should. So and I'm guessing we're going to go with that. In the next four weeks, we're going to have a lot of uh, opinions and studies about uh, how masks affect learning and things like that. Well, there's already lots of opinions and studies, but what we are going to do is we're going to see the practicality of what mm-hmm. works and what doesn't. And hopefully we will get a little bit more flexibility from the, uh, from the governor. All right. In order to do that. Let's do this. Let's take a time out, get a weather break in. When we come back, we'll have more with Terry Hutchinson and your phone calls. We're talking school. It starts tomorrow. Can you believe that? Welcome back to the program. It's 9.33. Good Wednesday morning to you. Andy is here. Uh, that's me. And uh, Terry is here. Terry Hutchinson from the Washington County School Board. Terry, how are you feeling? Hey, man? I'm doing great, Andy. Appreciate you A little warm in. in the suit today, but that's life. Yeah. Uh, this, this studio is about 10 degrees hotter than that studio, so I'll trade you places. If you <laughs> I know about that studio. I've been in it over the years a lot. It's very, very toasty. Yes. Uh, and, uh, I, again, thanks so much for coming in today. Really, really good to have you here. As uh, we've got school on the mind. School starts tomorrow, uh, approximately 8 a.m., depending on what school and, and everything. Uh, I believe, is it district-wide Friday early outs? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, for both secondary and elementary. And that raised a question because there's a lot of elementary teachers uh, who believe, you know, that, that with the uh, secondaries having an early out, that, there's some maybe discrepancies in in time that they're teaching and other things. Uh, I've gotten several emails about that from teachers, and uh, we are taking a look at that. We we really didn't have time to address it much with the reopening plan being primary on our docket. Uh, we spent a little time on it last night. I'm not yet satisfied with all the explanations that were being given and, and everything. Uh, it and so we're still looking at that. We're still going to have discussions about that. Um, I would just say that I noticed one of the things that we approved at our meeting last night, Andy, was the minutes from the five previous meetings that we had in the last month. Oh, that five took of a them. couple of minutes. Five of them. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's not that. It's just, I mean, we have been meeting on this and we've been wow. talking about it outside of meetings yeah. almost constantly. And so it's it's been a, a real time-consuming thing. Normally in the summer, we have a retreat. We plan some long-term goals that we want to do as board members. Um, last summer, I raised something that uh, we eventually did this year. It took about four to five months to get everybody on board with it, but it was a it, it was another big deal, in my opinion, that, that helped students and made things right. So we'll be watching what what some of those changes were and seeing if it actually helps because really anything that we try and do we want to make sure that the students are benefited and we're, I, I don't want to just rearrange the deck chairs on the titanic mm-hmm. one of the things i think that that we're, we should discuss again is the a difference between four block and five block well, we've got uh, two of our high schools are on what we call five block and two of them are on four block and their strengths and weaknesses with each and so uh so that's one of the things. And I don't know why all our schools aren't doing one or the other. Um, that was something that took place before I came on the board. It was one of the first questions I asked. Um, and it's something that we will continue to take a look at. So last night we reserved, we resumed most of our uh, routine stuff. And when I say routine stuff, 
we had property issues. We had personnel issues. We talked about growth. Um, we don't really know what um, impact the virus is going to have on us growth-wise. But what we suspect is that we are going to have an influx of new move-ins that will be as great or greater than the parents who want to take their kids and homeschool them. And wow, that's, you know, because, as I said, we're open and other areas aren't. And we're willing to put ourselves out there and the teachers are willing to put themselves out there so that so that the kids can do it. Because, frankly, you don't go into teaching for the money, as you well know. You go into it because you love being around the youth. You love being around students. You love having an impact in lives. You don't go into it to teach on a computer either. You go into it to be with the kids. To be with the kids, exactly, exactly. And so it's hard work. It's uh, rewarding work. And when you are restricted in the reward, then uh, (laughs) it's tough to do the job. And and so my... My uh, heart really goes out to the teachers who love to do their job. Just seeing the light on their faces this morning, a lot of them as they're, they're you know, getting ready to welcome students back for real, uh, they're all pretty happy. And I'll tell you what, if, if they shut it down again, um, I think there's going to be some, some real strong pushback on that. Hmm. Hmm. All right. A couple of things you said, four block and five block. I don't know what the difference is. Oh, I'm sorry. So, so you have five periods in a day instead of four. Now, okay. one of the big advantages is that students are able to take more electives. Okay. It especially helps students that want to do something like release time or something like that. But not all of our schools are on the same thing. But it does, it, you know, it does impact the teachers in a certain way. And so, it, it, you know, you, you get some pushback either way. And the fact that we're not consistent with that among our high schools is something that, that we want to take a look at. And we, we haven't really seen whether it... Uh, affected student achievement or not, but it does provide students with more opportunities. And so, you know, once again, that's just something we need to look at. And and my question is, well, if it's good for, if it's better for teachers and students do better with four, then we should do that. If students do better with five, we should do that. Or if there's other benefits to it, let's weigh them and let's have everybody do them rather than, you know, have couple of high schools doing this and a couple others doing that yeah i i I like consistency at a district level but once again those are with with everything going on right now uh, that hasn't been up at the forefront of anything there is a four-letter word that starts with the letter f but it's not the one most people would think of it's f-e-a-r fear uh it feels like a lot of what we have done in in this past six or seven months has been ru- uh, ruled by fear. Fear has has really affected a lot of the decisions. I think it's brave that Washington City and uh, Washington County, excuse me, and, and and the state is is going ahead with school. Those that are, uh, but there's going to be people that are fearful. Terry, uh, teachers first of all that are fearful. That you talked about. There's a group of teachers that have. Uh, hot, that are in the high-risk category that uh, will maybe be able to teach remotely or whatever. What about those other teachers that aren't necessarily high-risk but that are letting fear get the best of them? Well, obviously, you know, they've got some options. They can choose to retire. They can choose to take unpaid leave. They, they can choose to do lots of things, and we'll, we'll try and respect that. But we do expect them to do their job. I mean, and, and they're going to have to overcome the fear. I mean, I, I'm probably in a higher-risk group than many of those teachers, I'm out there doing my job all the time, and uh, so be it. I, you, in my opinion, 
you cannot achieve as a society the things that we have achieved in the past and the things that we want to achieve if we're ruled by fear. I agree. You, I mean, you know, car accidents. So you, 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 it's just a practical matter. But on the other hand, our society in general, worldwide, especially in the Western countries, has somehow been seized by this unreasonable, well, and in some cases it's reasonable, but by this, you know, we're not going to take a step forward unless we can be sure everyone is 100% safe. Right. I mean, okay, I'm not going to get in my car unless it's wrapped in a bubble and I drive 20 miles an hour, whatever. I mean, come on. Nobody does that. Right. We all understand there's a certain risk walking out your door every day. Is the is the COVID nineteen more serious, less serious? And and one of the things, Andy, is that all of the data has become so politicized True. from yeah. both sides that it's hard to sort it out. It really and that's is. that's one of the things that, that's really harmful because they say, Trust the science. Well, what does the science really say? It depends on where you get it. I get mine from some sources. They get theirs from some sources. You don't really know. And then you have to go with your gut. And, you know, good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> politicians, politicians aren't normally used to going with their gut. Well, and, and, and our guts are so influenced by everything around us that we're reading now that I don't know that you can trust your gut, you know, at this point. And so mine is ever expanding and it shouldn't be. <laughs> it's, it's bigger than it used to be. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, my head is, too. But that's another story. Yeah. Yeah. Good point there. Well, I, I hope we don't let fear rule us. And, I, and I, like I said, I'm really happy that. I mean, I, I would be happier if there were no masks. I know you would, too, uh, for, our, for our school kids and stuff. But generally speaking, I'm really happy that at least we're doing this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like I said, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of uh, people with, with legitimate fears. And even those that I might not feel are legitimate, I do respect that. I, w- I want them to understand that. But, you know, I, I mean, I have an unreasonable fear of heights. Notice I focus on the word unreasonable. My dad had a horrible fear of heights, but yet when he was in the military, he jumped out of airplanes. And do you know why? My mom told this story to my grandkids the other day. She said, because he got paid more money, I made him do it. <laughs> Little raise for, for the paratrooper, huh? <laughs> well, it's called hazard pay for a reason, ah, Andy. Okay. Submariners get it, too. Yeah, I don't think you could. Yeah, bribe, I I, I, I didn't go in for that when I was in the military. I, I I would jump out of an airplane, but I would not go in a submarine. I, that, that doesn't sound fun at all. Yeah. <laughs> a thousand feet or two thousand feet below the surface. Well, and, it's, it's no normally not that far, but it is pretty claustrophobic. Yeah. I, I mean, being down under there is not going to bother me very much, but the claustrophobia, I don't know how I'd react. Yeah. Yeah, good point. All right, uh, six seven three five eight ninety is the is the phone line here. If you want to talk with Terry, talk about school starting tomorrow. Let's go to the phone lines. Caller, you're on with Andy and with Terry Hutchinson. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just ha- actually had a comment relating to your your discussion just now about fear. Mm-hmm. I'm a baby boomer, and I'm so old that I was around when the di- uh, disease du jour uh, was polio. Mm-hmm. I remember going to uh, um, uh, a, sh- a local shopping mall, seeing displays of iron lungs and pictures. Yeah, of, I remember uh, that. Kids, the, the sugar in, cubes. 
Did you have the yes. sugar cubes? Yes. As a, actually, uh, what I was getting to is we had the the sock vaccine, and and I remember being lined up outside the nurse's office, and they gave every one of us um, um, a polio shot, a, a sock vaccine shot. You had to have three of them, and there was uh, uh, no excuse was accepted. Uh, you, uh, you had two choices. You either got the shot or you didn't go to school because polio afflicted the, uh, the, the kids the worst. And, um, and actually, I'm, you know, uh, there was one kid excuse, uh, who was excused, and that's because of his religious beliefs. He was a Christian scientist. That was the only reason they accepted not getting the, uh, not getting the shot. And anyway, that disease um, afflicted the kids the worst, mm-hmm. and I don't remember getting one day off from school because of polio. And I, you know, and I was in the uh, the target group, if you will. So, so the the fear the, the fear was disregarded, right? Go to school anyway. That's what you've got to do. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's right. They uh, we did it. Uh, you know, I don't know. You know. You know, I was only in the third grade, so I, I, you know, didn't really pay attention. I'm sure my parents did, you know, and and I remember going to church and seeing a member of our ward who had had uh, an an adult uh, member who had had polio and and had to walk uh, using crutches uh, because his his legs were so atrophied. Hmm. But, you know, that, well, and go ahead. Well, I just, you know, the we still have vaccine concerns and some parents don't want to do that. And uh, so I, you know, we have to be careful and, and respect the parents choice in a lot of situations, but I agree with you. My children are stunned when they look at my attendance records for school, but what they often are reminded of is that I'm the oldest of nine. And so there was no way you had to be bleeding out before you missed school in my house because anything to get the kids out of the house because there'd still be more in the house my mom was all over that all right let's go back to the phone line six seven three five eight ninety caller you're on with annie with terry what's up hey good morning guys morning um so my son is first of all i'm really glad that the teachers are in schools going back my son's in the iep program and he has been since he's been in the third grade He's now going into the ninth grade. Um, last year when it shut down, uh, we really struggled getting him to learn anything at home. Mm-hmm. It was really difficult. Yeah. Um, what I'm wondering, you know, because with a special ed type of student, um, there has to be special ways of taught. You know, it's a different way of learning. Yes. Is, is the criteria for the whole school system, I guess, going to kind of be the same? Like, is it going to be the same requirements? Um, is it just, just going to be regular school with a mask? Well, for the most part, yes. Uh, there will be more social distancing. There's going to be more desk placement. There's going to be more sanitization. Uh, kids will maybe take some outside breaks more. But with regard to the IEPs, um, 
there are exceptions built into the public health order specifically for that. And so whatever they find that your son is going to need, they're going to do their best to, to meet it. And if it can be met within the mandate, great. And if it, if it has to go outside the mandate, there are, there are ways to accept that. And it's going to be very detailed and, and very case by case how that works. Okay. But they're going to make every effort to take care of your son. Because, like, um, and I know we don't send our kids to school for sport, but that is a very high motivation for him to go to school and to learn and stay above that, you know, the requirements to be eligible. Um, And then if it shuts down, then it's really hard for me to keep him eligible because I can't teach him. I'm just wondering... Like, is, is that going to stay the same, or is that some of that special requirements that you're talking about? Well, the, the, the grades that were there last year that would require eligibility, I think they changed to pass-fail. And so the, the only cohort I'm aware of, I hate describing your son as a cohort. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that but, but the only group I'm aware of that that really kind of impacted was uh, those who are eligible for NCAA and moving up for scholarships. And, and granted, that's a small percentage, but the NCAA clearinghouse is going to have to deal with that. And we were told they would be doing some exceptions for that. So as long as he's going to school and he's doing the best he can, I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, but once again, that's something that we'll just have to address as we go. All right. Thank you. for. I mean, you know, and, and I, I hate to say this, but I, I keep I keep reminding us our plan to reopen was extensive and very detailed. And yet it can't cover half of all of the physical practicalities. I mean, Andy, when I go in a courtroom in a foreign jurisdiction, you know, I'm down in Nevada, I'm in eastern Nevada. If I'm a, I like to walk in the courtroom before the hearing and picture where everybody's going to sit. And any time I do that, I still feel like I'm, I don't have the home field advantage. If I bring a guy down from Salt Lake to St. George and we're there in my courtroom, I have the home field advantage. But there's a a visual and a practical aspect to just how these things are going that you can't get from a textbook. You can't get from a preliminary reopening plan or anything else. You actually have to live it and work on it and and get in there and wrestle around with it to figure out what's going to work best and what's not. Awesome. Well said. All right, we've got to get a break in, uh, and then we'll be, have more with Terry and your phone call, 673-5890, if you want to call and get locked in. We'd love to have you uh, be part of this show. Uh, chance to thank Joe Shoney. He's a local loan consultant. His specialty is customer service. How do I know this? Well, check out his reviews. Now up to 408 reviews online and an average of 4.92 out of 5 stars. Phenomenal numbers. Uh, some of the latest. Peggy in St. George said, Joe and his team were on top of all the items needed and communicated to me promptly. They answered all my questions, which made me feel confident that everything was being handled in a timely manner. That's a five-star review. Uh, this is Dean in Cedar City. He said, Joe and his team made the process of buying this home absolutely stress-free. Five stars. Victoria in Cedar City, all involved with their understanding and super helpful. Thank you so much. Five stars. They just go on and on and on. It's Joe showing local loan consultant, more than two decades of experience here in Southern Utah. The phone number is 435-590-6300. His email address, joe.shoney at nafinc.com. 
Welcome back, Andy Griffin Show. It's 9.53 on KDXU. Thanks again for listening. Terry Hutchinson is with me. Terry, doing all right, man? I'm doing great. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, let's go right back to the phone lines. A couple of people are calling. We'll get to you as soon as we can. Uh, caller, you're on with Andy with Terry Hutchinson. How are you? Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Terry. Um, I have a different perspective. My wife's a sped teacher with special ed for people who don't know what that is. It's she, uh, she had a hard time last year with the transition uh, for her kids, not personally, but more of uh, her heart went out for the kids that, that she's trying to teach that, you know, it, it, you don't, you, they don't understand your inflection over, over the over line, and especially with some of the kids that are having a hard time getting some of the concepts. And so she, uh, she was working with the kids the best that she could, but she, she said, you know, you had to put in uh, four times as much work and you're you're still trying to get these kids a proper education and try to teach them what they're supposed to know. At the same time, uh, they're they're not in in your your face, so you can't see if they're actually getting the concepts or not. And I'm so happy that they're allowing the kids to actually come back to school this year. My wife, uh, instead of wearing a mask, is wearing a, a face shield because mm-hmm. it's important for some of her students to see the inflection of what she's trying to, to enunciate when they're trying to get the grammar concepts. So it, you know, it's it's important that they're actually in school because my feeling is is being afraid of dying is not a way to live. Right. I mean, these kids deserve a chance to get above it, and I, I appreciate you, Terry, that that you've been fighting that good fight for us too to to make sure that we actually get our kids back into school and that we reserve resume what I would call a normal life, so kids would understand that the living in fear is, is not what their their whole life function is to be because all of our ancestors. I mean, they, they're spending their grace right now thinking that, hey, we're, we're not uh, honoring the, what they put aside for us and did for us by living in fear of something that's going to come and go. Well, I, I agree with you. And, and uh, like I said, the face shields are helpful. Um, and there will be instances where even that is not really as helpful. And so they're going to work on those with a case-by-case basis. But your your wife sure. in particular has a really important job, and that is, you know, teaching kids who, who struggle to learn in the regular fashion, in the traditional way. And that's one of the well, things that public wrong, school it, does. It's not, it's not that, uh, that she does it for the money because back in the world, she was the chief operating officer for a pharmaceutical company. She does it because she loves these kids. Exactly. She wants to see them exactly. succeed. Yeah, yeah. My wife uh, worked at, for the school district for 20 years, and uh, when she got moved from where the kids were, uh, it was time to move on to something else. So, yeah, that that's a, a certainly the way that I think all of them feel, if not all of them, the vast majority of them. And uh, we we just appreciate it because, you know, as, as we keep pointing out, we want the students to be there in person, but we also have to respect the fact that without teachers – we don't have it. And without the bus drivers, we don't have it. I mean, we, we can't get all the kids. The parents are going to have to drive their kids to school themselves. And, and one of the things about the, that was raised about the Alpine School District and having an early out every day, that still puts more burden on the families. It sure does. Because, uh, you know, you, you get used to a certain schedule. You're able to accomplish things within a certain schedule. And when that schedule changes or when it's not consistent, it, it really places a burden on families, particularly those with younger students. And... Um, you know, you, you just, it, it's our taxpayer dollars going to try and take care of this. And so we want to make sure that we are doing as much as possible to get the kids as normal as possible in experience in considering what everything's 
going through. All right, last two minutes. Got time for one more call. Caller, you're on with Andy with Terry Hutchinson. Well, good morning, Mr. Congressman Wannabe. <laughs> if I'd wanted to be you. a congressman, I already would. Mm, you have to run for election. Yeah, I would. That's why I didn't want to. Oh, okay. Anyway, do you have a question? Probably no, not. No, I don't. I just wanted to say it's so nice to hear Mr. Congressman Wannabe, and I think him and his buddies are doing just a, a wonderful job, and it, it's it's just hard to be nice to him, but I've got to be nice to him in this instance. All right. Well, thank you very much. You and uh, you know what? We've we've talked over the years. and uh, Old friend of yours. Huh? Yes, he's, we're old friends. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, Terry, we're, we're down to the last minute and a half or so. Um, it, it's so weird. I know that you guys, as a board and as a school district, you've planned for every contingency. Every, I mean, if there was a, you know, a tornado, if there was a big fire, if there was a big scandal, this thing, you know, and we, everyone said over and over again, unprecedented. This thing has happened. Um, do you feel like you guys were ready? And, and now that it's happened, are, are you guys, I, I mean, I guess you don't have any choice, but you've got to move forward. Well, we were in the process of getting ready. We, we were in constant communication with uh, the public health officials in the spring. I've told this story many times. We came in on a Tuesday for our regular meeting. We said, people said, do you, are you going to shut down schools? And we said, we don't have the authority to shut down schools. The, the public health authority has the authority to shut down schools. And we talked to our local guy, and he said, you know, we don't think we're going to need to shut good. down down yeah, here. We're, we're good. good. Yeah. We're going to be good. And then on, on a Friday, we started to hear rumblings that, hey, wait a minute, we better get a plan together. So we had a special meeting that Friday, mm-hmm. and we're coming into the meeting room, and the governor's having a press conference. Oh, we're just shutting it down all the schools. <laughs> now, thankfully for us, we had spring break that week, yeah. unlike the Salt Lake schools. And so we had an extra week to prepare for our online instruction. And we did the best we could. We're much more prepared now, but, you know, you just try and take it as it comes. And so uh, we have contingency plans for a lot of things, but once again, you can't contingency for every event. So what right. you do is you put procedures in, you get people in who are who can deal with the unexpected as good as possible, and then you just use your resources to make it work, and that's what we try and do. Thanks for having me on, Andy. It's great to see you again. Been a pleasure always, Terry. Uh, Good luck with everything, and uh, I'm sure something crazy will happen in the next few days, and you'll just have to deal with it. We will. All right. Thanks, Terry. Time now for news. Thanks for listening, everybody.